Welcome back to another episode of the After the Time Out podcast. Today we are headed up to the Pacific Northwest to talk with Chelsea Gregg, head women's basketball coach at Portland State University. We talked with Coach Gregg about the landscape of coaching and recruiting in the Pacific Northwest, a little bit of zone defense, and the balance of being a young mother and a D1 head coach. As always, thank you for listening to the After the Time Out podcast. All right, Coach, so we like to start off with the opening tip. Um, for you, uh, I, I will be honest, I, I have been a follower on Twitter. And um, so we wanted to start with you. How, you know, how did you know you wanted to be a coach? We find this so interesting with, with a lot of our guests that are obviously athletes and then get into coaching. You know, what was that like first moment when you were like, you know, I think I want to try this coaching thing. And then did you ever have a moment um, when you were hired where you're like, wow, I'm a, I'm one head coach now. Just yeah. tell us about it, man. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Yeah. You know, I think for me, it started, it's kind of progressed throughout the years. I've been coaching now for 14 years, going to my 15th season in college here. And I think at first it was like, what next? You know, I think going into college, I thought maybe med school, big dreams of doing something different perhaps. Um, but the reality was as school is taking a little bit too much time away from my game. And so I ended up switching to a health and PE major, was able to focus on basketball a little bit. And then when it was all said and done, I, I couldn't leave the game. Um, I had a passion for it. And, and so that's where it started. Wanted to share that with others. And it's really turned into, um, I love the mentorship piece of coaching um, and just being able to empower these young women to achieve those goals. So started as, what do we do? I don't know. I've always played basketball. What do you do next? Um, what is life without, you know? college athletics and then turn into more of a mentorship role for sure. All right. So let's, uh, before we really get into the meat and potatoes here, I just want you to give us a little info, you know, for our listeners who maybe aren't up on, on Portland state women's basketball, right? Uh, sometimes it's hard in the Midwest because right games are on games are on yeah. super late or you might, you might, you might miss it or whatever. So kind of like what, what is your brand and like, how do you guys define, find your program and what are you guys all about if even if you want to throw in some props for your players your coaches whatever it may be just let us know about your program yeah well I've been here at Portland State so entering year two as head coach uh entering year eight here at Portland State so I was an assistant for several years prior to getting the head job um I think here we're a unique situation I love it Portland um a little bit of both worlds we have the city but then we have like over 500 trees on campus uh, we have the outdoors, you got the coast 90 miles away, you got the gorge, you know, not too far away. Also, so in terms of placement, I think the Pacific Northwest is awesome. In terms of what we do basketball wise, um, we're definitely about our four R's and building culture right now, building that foundation to carry us into those next years, building that championship culture. So we talk about being relational, resilient, reliable and response or and ready, excuse me. Um, and just really every day speaking to those things. So that's what you're going to get from Portland State women's basketball. Turn to style of play. Uh, you do see defensively, we get after it in our zone, kind of unique. That's been our identity throughout the years. Uh, looking to, to perhaps switch it up in the years to come, but um, really think that it's been an advantage for us. And especially when you get to tournament play and, and see the same stuff throughout the year, that uh, that scout report becomes really uh, just a lot easier to to get through when when we're playing that kind of zone defense. So offensively, uh, we like to play a little bit faster than we are right now. We'll get there. Um, but 
allow our players to play the game, uh, really teach where the help side is, what is the defense giving you, what's that defensive shift look like, uh, and definitely give some freedom, but have to have some structure. I uh, know what a good shot, bad shot is, um, and those kinds of things. But ultimately, we want to play because we have fun, we love the game, um, and create that atmosphere for our student-athletes. So, Coach, I, I just wanted to get into those those four R's real quick, and if you could just share with our listeners again just what they are, and and for you, just kind of how those four R's came about. Like, why did you choose those four? Yeah, and I think that's that's the big question, right? I mean, I think throughout coaching and coaching with different head coaches and growing up, you know, and playing for different coaches and programs, it's there's a lot of buzzwords. Everybody's got to kind of have their thing, and I was like, man, these things are important. I like this here, this here, passion, you know, and kind of putting that together and throughout the years building that that philosophy philosophy so if and when you get that opportunity you're ready to go and so um relational piece um it's just so important we have to get to know each other I feel like that's how you create that trust and that chemistry and that's how you build great teams and so that's going to be our foundation so that relational piece we talk about how we show up for each other um especially when things are hard that's the reality of college basketball. And I think just in life in general, what do we do? How do we show up for each other when we're challenged and not just when everything is going our way. And so talking about what that looks like relational in terms of when we bring on recruits, how do we interact with them as a group? How do we make them feel welcome um, in our admin within our community? We want to make sure we're being relational um, in terms of resiliency. Um, just again, how, how do we react? How do we respond when things get hard? building that grit muscle we talk about, um, you know, being reliable. I'm not a flaky person. I don't want teams that are flaky. I just sometimes, I don't know, women's sports, we get a bad rap on that kind of stuff. And so I just making sure that, you know, we do what we're going to say we're going to do, show up on time. Um, and just as a, a teammate standpoint, like I can look at you and say, I know that I can rely on you to show up for me every time I got your back, these kind of things. And Again, how do we build that foundation, that chemistry, that culture, that no matter what, that they know that we're in their corner. Um, and then ready, I mean, we talk about staying ready so you don't get ready, um, but that could be anything. That's our daily, hey, how did they prepare for practice? How are you ready to go for games? What's that prep look like to getting them ready for their next 40 years? You know, do they want to do career? Do they want to play professionally? Do they want to have a family? What does that look like? Um, I had no idea that being a college athlete and, and sports in general was going to prepare me to be a mom. I mean, I just, the things that I didn't know and still don't know as a parent figuring it out of a two and a half year old, but um, the reality of it's hard. And uh, a lot of the things that I learned through sport have, I feel like prepared me for this time. So you kind of you led into one of our questions. So I'm going to <clears throat> flip me. it uh, in the order, but you know, let's talk about the challenges of, of being a young mother and being a, a division one head coach. Obviously both take an immense amount of time and, and I'm sure there are, there are some uh, clashes of that time. So, you know, it, just kind of talk to us a little bit about, about, you know, being a young mother and, and a D one head coach all at the same time. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's an honor. I think that's the real thing is that I had always thought that perhaps this could be an opportunity and thinking through the years, you know, when's the right time? What does the opportunity look like? What's going to be the right fit? Um, and so looking at those things, but I think, I appreciate you calling me young. I, thank you. I'm going to be 37 this fall. And so 
that feels nice because I'm closer in age now with the, you know, at times with the parents and the players that I recruit than I once was. Um, I have a two and a half year old and they have high schoolers. So I feel behind at times. So I appreciate you saying that young piece, but um, I think it's just, it's never a balance. It's a harmony. I mean, if I feel like I'm missing out at home and then I focus on that, then man, I don't want to fall behind at work. And so just finding that harmony, uh, we're thankful that I have, my husband's actually on staff. He's one of my assistant coaches. And so um, just really thankful for, for his help. And then we have family that, that meets us on the road or, or stays here with our little guy. So that's a lot of it. Um, kind of pushing that mom guilt aside and, and focus, be present where I'm at when I'm home be present there. And, uh, when I'm here with our players that I'm present, um, with them and, and we have a family atmosphere though. They like it when he can be around and they grab him and run him around and all the things. So, um, yeah, it, it's a fun piece. I feel like I like to be that, that example that they can see that they can do both. Um, but yeah, and, and to speak to like, Oh man, division one head coach. I don't know. I came from the NII ranks. You also, it's it's wild. I think that I'm here and get this opportunity. Thankful for it. Had an AD that believed in me, um, and and provided a lot of professional development in that area. And so, yeah, it's just wild. It's exciting. Something different every day. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's just excited to be here. Well, and hard work. She doesn't know, Todd. I I called her young because we're all about the same age. That just makes us sound young too. Oh, I'm the old. I'm the old one here. I'm the, Let's I'm the go. Old, I'm the old. I'm the old forty forty year old here. Oh man. So, all right. Is that so, a cracking hat? You got a cracking yeah, hat on? Yeah, it's a cracking hat. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All yeah. right. I'm originally from outside of Seattle, so there we go. Okay. There we go. <laughs> So uh, let's let's keep on the head coach thing, right? You're, you're you're an assistant. You're doing your thing, right? And I feel like everybody, when you get that head coaching job, you're like, oh, okay, this I didn't know, right? And you became <laughs> you became a head coach, you know, uh, in your early 30s. A lot. It's obviously a lot younger than most coaches, right? There's a lot of coaches who kind of put in their put in their time and an assistant here and there. Um, I guess one. Like, I think you feel ready, but you don't, you're, you're maybe not ready. So maybe what was that moment? You're like, oh yeah, I'm ready. But then you're like, uh oh, I didn't, I didn't yeah. realize that. Or, uh, um, and then what kind of, kind of things did you do maybe with some of your mentors or people you knew to kind of help you make that, make that jump over that 18 inches, right? That you're, that's really not that far, but it makes a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think the biggest thing is that, that I've learned is that you can do all the preparation. You can depend on your head coach and how much they allow you to do in different areas. You can think that you're perhaps ready. Um, but the reality is I don't know that anybody's ever ready for it until you've been in that chair, been in that seat, called your time out. I mean, even at the high school level, I think until you have run a program and had to have been the, the person that are making the decisions that you're, you know, responsible for these young women, I think until you do that, it's different. I think the biggest thing for me was, um, and that move over, I, I didn't handle a lot of the budget stuff. And so that was different. Um, a lot of decision-making, but I think ultimately just my time, I had a lot of time as an assistant. I had no idea that I had that much time. And as a head coach now scheduling out meetings and different things, and it's, it's never to say, Oh, look at how busy I am. It's not like that. But the reality of my days are structured a lot differently than they once were. So I think that was a big piece for me to kind of realize what, what can you say yes to? What do you need to say no to? 
how do you prioritize um, and those kinds of things. Um, remind me your second piece of that question. Uh, just maybe some people you relied on when you were making oh, it, yeah. maybe a mentor or, you know, people you've coached, played with, that have gone on the coach, things like that to kind of help, that helped you give you some guidance there. Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing that comes to mind when I moved over is that relationship with the players. I mean, I was involved in the process, a lot of recruiting them and that's great. The familiarity was there and they knew me what I was about, but now it's different on the one controlling pay, playing time and different things like that. And so having a solid staff is important to me and they can go to them, but it, it just changed the dynamic a little bit um, in terms of just the, the support and mentorship. Um, I've really been fortunate to through the WBCA to be involved in some mentor groups. And so I was able to reach out to them. They've been super solid, just, Hey, what do you think about this? Or here's a situation, you know, this year, I don't know how many teams went through it, but for us, we had two, two COVID shutdowns again, and we went a 27 day stretch without playing a game. Um, and trying to get back into that and, hey, how do we do this? And now we're playing, you know, Thursday, Saturday, Monday for two months straight. How do we handle this? What does this look like? You know, um, so I was really fortunate. I had a, a group of coaches that uh, invited me in and they were anywhere from like third year head coaches to like first and second year coaches. And so we had opportunity to kind of check in with each other once a month and just talk through things that we we're going through and, and different stuff like that. Uh, that was super helpful. So I wanted to kind of get into a little bit on recruiting, um, yeah. you know, the first, because it, it is obviously unique where you're located to, to, for some recruiting things, you know, for you and the, the Pacific Northwest, we haven't, we, we've had some coaches from Alaska on, I'm trying to think, just think of some from that area, but for you, is it, is it ever a challenge to recruit the East coast or the Midwest or, uh, the deep South as a coach from the Pacific Northwest, um, for travel, for time zones, for those kind of things when you're talking to recruits? Yeah, I think my, my first question is, is are, where are they interested in going to school? I think because the reality is, is we, we could recruit in those areas, but what's the reality that they want to come to the West Coast and trying to find that interest early and understand that because you, a lot of times we've got into it deep in with some of these recruits and at the end, I, you know, I think it's just too far. And it's like, oh, shoot, I wish I would have known, you know, I wish we would have had that conversation, you know, months ago until we got this deep into it. Um, and number two is just budget, to be honest. Um, I think a lot of the recruiting for us is regional. Um, but not to say you look at our roster, we do have a kid from Chicago and, and she's awesome and, and is doing really well for us. And so we have players from eight different states, a couple of international players. And so um, we're open to expanding. Um, our, our area of where we recruit, but I think regionally is probably budgetary wise is where we're at. Um, for those kids that are interested in the West Coast, email. I know we get a lot, but stand out, make it personal, send video. Um, I think those things really help. Um, have a catchy head, headline, subject, something that makes me want to read it um, that kind of stands out from the rest, but we're open to it. I just think A, budget, and B, realistically, they need to know themselves. Can you be that far away from home? Is that going to be the right fit? Because at the end, we're open to it, but they're the ones, and we feel like we have a family atmosphere, and we're going to support you in a lot of different ways to help with that transition, but but it's still, can you do it? You know, is it too far away from home? And yes, we're, we're going to talk about Rima off the air, because yes, uh, yes oh. I, I am from that conference, so I got to coach against her while you get to coach for her. Yeah. Um. So let's, let's get into now. Okay. You got the recruits there. Let's, you have a very unique uh, conference. 
Um, Your conference goes from Eastern Washington all the way down to Northern Arizona and all the way, you know, as far East as Idaho, Montana. So it's a, it's a large uh, conference that's expansive in, in miles. So kind of take us through what it's like for you guys, um, you know, for a road trip to whether it's Northern Arizona or whether it's uh, Moscow, Idaho, you know, kind of take us through those, those challenges of, of taking a road trip for you guys. Yeah, you know, traditionally we play that Thursday, Saturday schedule. And so we're real fortunate because we are like 15, 20 minutes from the airport. And so for us, um, and typically here, uh, it's it's not a big deal to be able to get back home Saturday nights. So we play Thursday nights, typically six, seven o'clock. Saturdays, 12 or two is typically how we play. And so getting out is nice for us from those areas. Um, but you're right. There's a lot of travel involved. Uh, it's a tough conference, high level of basketball. Um, this year we had a road trip where we were, you know, on the road for seven days, just with reschedules. And we, uh, we started in Eastern Washington, went to the Montanas and then back to Idaho and then took the bus back to Portland. And so, um, that was a lot of miles on that bus. It's brutal, but typically we're real fortunate to get the fly in, um, fly in, fly out, leave Wednesday, come back Saturday night. So it's actually not too bad. I'm sure you find out a lot about your team on a seven day road trip, huh? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I love I know, it, man. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. I was super proud of them. Um, we had a lot of time on the bus together, but we got a lot of singing done, some movies, some games. Yeah. We're, we're a pretty good karaoke team. That's for sure. There we go. There we go. Um, all right. So you get, you guys have had a, a lot of success in the conference tournament. Uh, first part of it is what, what do you think makes your program successful during those tournament times? And then the second part is, uh, um, as, as coaches, why are, why do you think some coaches are just better in that format than others, whether it's scouting, whether it's personality, whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, players, all the credit to the players, uh, in our runs, it's the players. I mean, I think that's first and foremost, I think throughout the year, you try to set your players up for for different situations. So changing things up and, and having to run things quickly or, or how we run scouts and be able to pick up things quicker. I think for us at the tournament where we've had success is how we, we run defensively. We've seen a lot of things, a lot of the similar sets within our zone. And so instead of running through however many man actions, again, we are really familiar with what they're running. So I think for us, we peak at the right time and that's a benefit to us. Um, but ultimately, I think it's your players. Are they ready to go? Are they gamers? Are they ready to step up? And I think when we won it in 19, that was the case. We have players that were hungry and experienced. I think we saw it this year with us, with the inexperience hurt us at times, for sure. We were playing against, I swear, seven-year COVID players where I, I we, we had seen them forever, you know, and we had this freshman group. And so I think a lot of it is, is uh, your personnel as well. Like, have they been there? Do you have the experience at the tournament? Um, all, all those things. There's a lot of moving parts to it. And I think in the coaches pieces, can we adapt? Can we be flexible? Can we meet players where they're at in that motivation piece? I think those coaches that can are going to have that success. You know, um, those are those that kind of have to do it the same way every time. Maybe not, but um, I haven't had an opportunity to have a lot of experience as a head coach in those settings yet. So I don't know that that's a fair question to, to speak to on my behalf as, as an expert, but um, from the assistant coach's side and just from my experience this year, it, it's a lot, it's a lot to do with the players. So Todd and I 
uh, and you may not know this, but uh, our listeners, well, Todd and I are big zone defense guys. So as soon as you started talking about zone defense, I think uh, both of our brains uh, were very intrigued. So, You're my people. That's yeah. it. Because I don't know. We can't find. There's not too many of us. No. So it just take our listeners through. Obviously, you know, we don't have to go into a, a zone synopsis here. Uh, yeah. But, you know, just kind of take us through your zone, what maybe makes it unique. Um, and, and just tell our listeners a little bit about that defensive style. Yeah. So I think it all started when we first got here and as a staff under uh, Coach Kennedy. And it was, how can we keep our best players on the floor? Because the reality was, is we didn't have a whole lot of depth. Perhaps we weren't as athletic as we would have liked to be. How do you keep people in front of these things? And so that's where it first started. It was like, man, we got to keep our players on the floor out of foul trouble. I feel like the way they call their game. I feel like the Big Sky Conference is pretty physical. Absolutely. But I think with the hand touches and these things, the game's changed. It's evolved from being able to just play like hard nose man defense with all these hand touches. And so I think that's where it started um, for us. We don't talk a whole lot about it because it, it's it's more of a matchup zone for us. But I think it's unique and um, allows people for us to put players in different positions, whether we want to go big up top. Um, you can have a variety. Of, you, when we won it in 19, we had a shot blocker in the middle. We've also seen it with with posts that can – take charges and be almost a quarterback and talk and speak through rotations. And so they're our vocal leader in the middle. Um, so, but it's our two, three. Uh, we've, we've switched some things out throughout the years, some different wrinkles with it. Um, but I think just keeping our best players on the floor. Um, and I think that continue where we can get better is just our rebounding, right? Cause you got to rebound out of your area. You're not going to be matched up all the time with somebody. And so that's always been maybe the, the argument of, wow, you know, you can't rebound very well out of the zone or shooters, they're a shooting team. They're going to shoot you out of it. And I think that for us, we try to take away that three point line. So that's, that's what our zone is built out of. Um, at times we've done well at other times we have not, but when we're at our best, that's what we're, we're going to take away as a three point line and make you beat us with two pointers. Why don't y'all go, go shoot two pointers and see if you can do that 40 times and then, and then we'll go from there. So, um, and saying that we got to get better on our one-on-one defense inside because that puts us on the island at times. Um, and we've seen where teams have been effective in exploiting that. So, but I, again, it keeps our best players on the floor and I feel like it's been effective and it's not something that our league does consistently. So I feel like that's give us an edge in our identity. Yeah. I think just to follow up, you mentioned it a couple of times on your preparation, right? Um, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know how many zone sets you have, but it's probably not nearly as many as man sets, right? Like, right. Um, so it kind of makes your, your, I guess, maybe a team more predictable. Um, I guess maybe what yeah. are some of the things that have, I guess that teams do that give you maybe the most trouble out of it, right? Like, you know, they've seen you enough. Now they're kind of figuring it out. Um, and it, it depends on year to year and your, your wrinkles and all that. But what are some of the things that, that teams giving you trouble with? And then... I kind of think of zone as it helps you offensively too, because it gives you a lot more time to, right. You don't have to spend eight hours going through every set of every, every team, right. You can, you can maybe spend some more time skill development offensively on your own stuff and be the best version you can be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, To those points, I a hundred percent agree. I think that early we're not very good. 
um, because we've had players that haven't seen those rotations yet, or it's different. We don't dig down from the, um, in the high post, we have our, our guards flaring out. And so that's a little bit different. Um, it's kind of a mix of a Syracuse zone. Obviously they're uh, a lot more length and athleticism, um, but that's kind of where it started. And then we've made some tweaks along the way. Uh, our assistant coach, uh, coach Keaton, Greg, he's the one that has really come up with it and how we worked through some wrinkles uh, together for that. But he's the guy to, he's our defense guy. He's our guru. So he, he can speak to it a little bit more than I can, but um, I think just in terms of preparation early, mm, we're still getting the hang of it. We haven't seen the overload. We haven't seen the middle screens. You know, we haven't seen, uh, we call them different things, but all the terminology is different, but loop. We haven't seen them, you know, do different things like this, the, the guard flash perhaps, but by the middle of the season and then towards, you know, when we get the March, we have, and you've seen it often. Now you understand how to guard it and, or based on scout, you, you always tweak things, right? It's not going to be the same every time, depending on who you're playing. And so I think with that, it's really helped towards the end of the season just to be able to peak at the right times. And then when you win games at the tournament and you're playing back to back, you already have seen, again, a lot of those things throughout the year, at least twice. And then also teams run similar things or, you know, in similar actions. Um, so I think definitely that that has helped where we get burned uh, one on one defense at times in the post because of the way that we do things um, that's sometimes where we get burned and then if we're not quick enough with our hands up on the outside and you allow those three point shots it's like that's why that's what it's designed to do is take away the three point line and if we don't do that well and then also give up the inside but well, now it's not working for us and so we have to do take away the three point line and then we can worry about the rest. Um, so that's that's kind of where we're at with things. Yeah, I think that's a good point on it being ugly early because I think a lot of coaches, that's why they don't do it. Yeah. Right, yep. because they're like, early on, it's like, oh boy, we haven't seen this. And <laughs> people, you know, and I, I do more of a matchup too. People are always asking like, well, how do you teach it? And I feel like, yeah, there's these core concepts and principles, but a lot of it is just right. two different situations, right? Like, yeah you got to communicate this out and talk it out and here's how I would do it. But every situation is, is different depending on where you got caught and how you had to rotate and who had to X out or whatever it may be. So I think that's yep. why a lot of coaches don't really, they're like, Oh, it's not working. We're getting killed here. We got to get out of it. We got to go back, back, man. But yeah, well, and I'm not going to say that I haven't had those moments. I'm like, Oh, goodness <laughs> gracious. Like, okay, man. Um, but I think early, especially I didn't want to tempt myself to go that cause I know it works. We've shown it works. We can do it. No, we had different personnel and we're going to get, you know, back there. I fully believe in the roster that we do have and that we can execute it the way we need to. Um, that wasn't the problem. Even if you looked at last year, that defensively at times we were really good. It was some other things that we needed to work on. And so, um, but I hear the opposite too, like uh, with the shooting or whatever, you know, three, oh, get out of it. They're shooting you out of it. Well, we can't stop that in man. So like, right. we can't, we can't stop that action and man either. So I, you know, I think that, that how we do things is going to give us the best chance to win, but it makes us predictable at times when we have teams, when they only have one game on the bye week and they only have us, then they're preparing for zone all week. The ones that we have back to back games, not as much. And so I don't feel like that as much of an advantage, but the times that they know, Hey, they're probably going to run majority of zone or all zone. Um, sometimes that can be a disadvantage for us. And so that's why we're looking to, to do a little bit more with it so that we can either do some different, add some wrinkles, some doubles, or, you know, 
add some man um, moments in there too to keep them guessing a little bit. A little little Rick Patino style, go to that yeah. man certain certain things. All right, so let's transition to our last uh, last couple segments here. First one is thirty second timeout. Your chance to talk about anything you want. Your 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 floor. Um, very loose thirty seconds, but your your family, your program, what whatever whatever is important to you, and and you feel like you you want to talk about. Uh, it's your your thirty seconds plus to okay. uh, to to speak. Man, there's a lot to talk on. Um, I think what I get excited about is just to know our program, just to know our team. I think with women's basketball at times, it's yeah, it's about the product and we're trying to get butts in the seats and these things. But if you truly get to know our team, get to know these young women, you can't help but support them. And so I think that's our our job here as coaches is to support them and their endeavors, but also get into community. We want to do community service. We want to be visible and for people in Portland to get to know our team and then you're going to get excited about it. You want to come back and see them play and support that. And so I think sometimes um, in women's basketball, you know, it's, it's hard to, to get that draw, but I think when you get to know them as people, you can't help, but, but celebrate all that they got going on. Um, and I think it's just excited about our roster. If you look at our team, we're from all different places and that excites me. Of course, we want to recruit regionally and, and locally for sure, but a lot of people want a different experience than what they grew up on. And so, we get an awesome opportunity to to draw people from all over and it it creates a really fun atmosphere. All right. So as we go into our last segment, as we like to say to our guests, uh, some of these questions will be basketball related. Some of them have no relation to basketball. It's just Todd and my way to have some fun. So um, the first one is we got best headline you got in an email that stood out. Something in an email and you're like, Whoa, what's this email about? Oh my goodness. Y'all, that's a good question and not a quick hitter because I have to, to think on that. You're good. I Sorry, mean, I, just, uh, I just threw it in there because you were talking about recruits standing out in their email. Yeah. So I figured, no, I figured there was yeah, something yeah. that um, Well, what I say is when you say Portland State, make, make me want to read it. And I haven't got a lot of them. Please do not start your highlight with a free throw. So, <laughs> I mean... We see that, and I'm just like, I appreciate you can knock it down. That's like basics, right? Thank you yeah. so much. So, I, yeah, I'm going to have to get back to you on that headline, but you're right. If you can make unique, I'll read it, but we don't get too many. It's all, like, pretty plain. So, sorry right. to disappoint on that one. That's all right. You're good. We're going to go, would you rather be skiing in the mountain or on the tropical beach? Tropical beach. Give me all the sunshine. Yeah, I wasn't sure if she was going to be Pacific Northwest and be like, yeah, I want to be on the mountain. Yeah, I mean, I go there for, yeah, we go there for Christmas with family, but uh, give me the sun. Yeah. All right. Um, so on that kind of topic, I guess, favorite place to go outdoors, right? You're going to go do something outdoors. There's a destination uh, somewhere up by, up by your school, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, favorite place on campus is going to be on the fifth floor. It is a rooftop, like balcony area overlooking the city. You can see Mount Hood. You can see the river. Love that. Favorite place outdoors, not on campus, is at the lake. Whether it's it's at Flathead Lake or it's back on Lake Sakakawea in North Dakota with family fishing. Those are my two spots. There you go. Yeah. All right. So we, you know, you kind of talked about your playing style, but is there any? It, it could be professional. It could be pro. It could be high school. Is there any? 
team that you, you know, watch, maybe an opponent or, or, you know, you were on a, a recruiting trip and you saw a high school team that just plays a really unique style that you just thought was really, was really interesting or, or cool to watch. Yeah. A uh, few thoughts on that. When we played UC Irvine a while back, they had great action against our zone. So I had a lot of respect for that and uh, made sure that we watched that film again over and over to, to get some ideas there because it was different. Um, and I got to hop on the, the, Golden State Warriors bandwagon, but just their action and how they move at their best uh, with just, yeah, the movement offensively, I think it's pretty, pretty awesome. And then um, I'm not sure yet about it, but I'm learning more of the conceptual offense, just thinking about, you know, not positionless, maybe it could be, but just more about how we use all the actions and have a fast paced brand of basketball that intrigues me. So I'm just um, looking to learn more. All right. Last one here. If you could talk to any coach past or present, who would it be and why? Uh, women's side, Dawn Staley. I, I mean, she's the goat. Uh, just really incredible. Her transition from player to coach and just really, I mean, just the success speaks, speaks for itself. And then on the men's side, Phil Jackson. Um, I'd love to just pick his brain on the management style and his Zen approach and just different things. I've read a lot of his books and um, how do you get all, all that all together, the egos and everything to play together for one goal. Um, and so definitely if I could get him in a room and, and have some lunch or something like that, that'd be incredible. Oh yeah. That'd be a great conversation. I bet he'd probably go yeah. all kinds of, he'd go all kinds of places with Phil. I yeah, absolutely. Get out there. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, uh, we, we appreciate it so much. I mean, it, it's a, it's always unique and good to talk. We're from the Midwest, so uh, it's yeah. awesome to get get out to the Pacific Northwest and, and help our listeners and us learn about new programs and, and and different things. So, so much, so much great stuff here. We appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for yeah. joining us. Yeah, I appreciate you reaching out. Thanks for the love. Thank you for listening to another episode of the After the Timeout podcast hosted by Todd Zazadil and John Plicky. For more show content and upcoming episodes, follow us on Twitter at After the Timeout or subscribe to our podcast for upcoming episodes. For show inquiries, you can email us at afterthetimeout at gmail.com. You can find all of our previous episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts by searching after the timeout. We appreciate you listening. Tune in next time for more coaching content in-game, out of the game, and anything in between.